0: Friends, as the world gets more and more dangerous with every passing day, it's time to make sure your family is prepared for severe food shortages ahead. That's why My Patriot Supply is going the extra mile to make their emergency food as affordable as possible. They're taking $250 off their three-month emergency food kit, which is the minimum your family should have. This kit provides delicious, easy-to-make breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks for one person for three solid months. Get one for each member of your family while you're able to save $250 during this timely sale, which ends soon. Remember, My Patriot Supply is the nation's largest preparedness company with millions of families already protected. These three-month food kits are in stock and ready to go. Your order ships fast and free and arrives in unmarked boxes for your privacy. Go to preparewiththinkaboutit.com. Those who know what's coming are using today to prepare. Are you? preparewiththinkaboutit.com. Hi, Steve here. This video is not gonna tell you that you shouldn't support the church you attend. This video is not gonna Have you stopped giving and supporting ministries that are truly helping you to grow and mature in Christ Jesus? What this video is for is to scripturally prove to you once and for all that the tithe was never instituted for the church. Neither is it a commandment of the Lord and neither is it a requirement of the church of Jesus Christ. This is a video that pastors of many churches in America will wish you don't listen to. I only know of a few denominations and churches who never ever talk about you being commanded to pay your tithe, that it's your obligation. It all started in Genesis when Abram returned from a huge victory after his nephew and his possessions had been recovered by Abram and his servants. Four kings battled against five other kings, and the result was Sodom and Gomorrah, and all their food was taken along with Lot and the other people that were living in Sodom and Gomorrah in that area. It says, one of the survivors came and told Abram the Hebrew, who lived near the oaks belonging to Mamre the Amorite, the brother of Eshcol and the brother of Anner. They were bound by a treaty with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken prisoner. He assembled his 318 trained men, born in his household, and they went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he and his servants deployed against them by night, defeated them and pursued them as far as Hobah to the north of Damascus. He brought back all the goods and also his relative Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the other people. After Abram returned from defeating Shedol Laomer, And the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom, went out to meet him in the Shavah Valley, that is the king's valley. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest to God most high. He blessed him and said, Abram is blessed by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has handed over your enemies to you. And Abram gave him a 10th of everything. So he not only brought back all of his nephew Lot's possessions, but he also brought back many other goods and possessions. Now there are two things I want you to notice here. Number one, it simply says that Melchizedek brought out bread and wine. Do you realize that you don't see that again until Jesus passes the bread and the wine around to his disciples, telling them "If this is my body, this is my blood that was shed for you. And secondly, Abram gave him a tenth of everything. That doesn't mean that he was instituting a tithe to the high priest, but it was a way of honoring God for his faithfulness in delivering Abram's nephew and relatives and all the people that had been captured with him. A 10th or a tithe was never mentioned until the law was instituted in the Mosaic Covenant. The first mention of the tithe and the law of Moses was in Leviticus twenty-seven thirty, And all the tithe of the land, Israel was commanded to tithe, but not the church. Tithing is mentioned in Hebrews chapter seven. Abram's tithe was not an agreement he had with God or man. But in chapter 17, we see the covenant God made with Abram. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him saying, I am God almighty, live in my presence and be blameless. I will set up my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell face down, and God spoke with him. As for me, here is my covenant with you. You will become the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I will make you the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful and will make nations and kings come from you. I will confirm my covenant that is between me and you and your future offspring throughout their generations. It is a permanent covenant to be your God and the God of your offspring after you. And to you and your future offspring, I will give the land where you are residing, all the land of Canaan as a permanent possession. And I will be their God. God also said to Abraham, as for you, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations are to keep my covenant. This is my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you which you are to keep. Every one of your males must be circumcised. You must circumcise the flesh of your foreskin to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and you. Throughout your generations, every male among you is to be circumcised at eight days old. Every male born in your household or purchased from any foreigner and not your offspring. Whether born in your household or purchased, he must be circumcised. My covenant will be marked in your flesh as a permanent covenant. If any male is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that man will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. But then the Lord promised to make a new covenant later on. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah And every man his brother saying know the lord for they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them says the lord for i will forgive their iniquity and their sin i will remember no more i hear all kinds of very flimsy and weak and unscriptural ideas and theories and which are all taken out of context to build their belief that the church should be paying their tithes i've heard malachi used as the reason I've heard 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 used as the reason, and everything else in between. I even heard a pastor say that he finally found the proof in the Gospels that Jesus was talking to the scribes and Pharisees. He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You pay a tenth of mint and dill and cumin, and yet you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. Once again, he was speaking to the Jewish people who had a covenant with God under the law. He couldn't share with them about the law of faith and love because he hadn't died yet and risen from the dead. Remember what he said about the law? Don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill it. Here's the reality. The only covenant that God made with Abraham was circumcision. And its purpose was simply to serve as a sign of the covenant between God and him and his relatives. The Apostle Paul said about the gospel message and faith in Christ, circumcision doesn't matter and uncircumcision doesn't matter. Keeping God's commands is what matters. Ask yourself this. When the early church was finally being established and they sent the letter to the Gentile believers, Was tithing included in the requirements? Was circumcision included in the requirements of their faith in Christ? No, neither one. Well, maybe you're not sure what the requirements were, so let's look at them in the scriptures. It says, For it was the Holy Spirit's decision, and ours, not to place further burdens on you beyond these requirements that you abstain from food offered to idols, from blood, from eating anything that's been strangled, and from sexual immorality. You will do well if you keep yourselves from these things. The early church had a huge dispute in Antioch and finally met in a Jerusalem council where they drafted the letter that was going to be taken to the churches everywhere. And the Jewish believers in Christ came to this conclusion. We believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in the same way they are. Notice here, it was the Holy Spirit's decision and ours, it says. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Apostle Paul said it all through Galatians. Take note, I, Paul, am telling you that if you get yourselves circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. Again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to do the entire law. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You've fallen from grace. For we eagerly await through the Spirit, by faith, the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. For both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. Like the Apostle Paul said to the Galatians, I say to you, if what I've just laid out for you has offended you, have I become your enemy because I told you the truth? Think about it.